Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Good to have you in live here on a Monday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise. We'll get back to the Tennessee Titans and their big win over the Falcons coming up in just about 15 minutes. But right now, a little college football talk here in the SEC as we welcome in Mr. College Football himself. Tony Barnhart is joining us from the SEC Network. Tony B., good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. It's all good, guys. So uh, one of the things I want to get into is this decision that Mac Brown made against Clemson to go for two. I absolutely loved it. I feel like a lot of people looked at it as, hey, you know what, you're a four-touchdown underdog. You've got this team on the ropes. You go for the glory. Did you agree with Mac Brown's decision to try to knock off Clemson? Absolutely. I was sitting there. I chose to stay home this weekend and watch a lot of football. Instead of traveling, and I was sitting there watching the game uh, with my son-in-law watching, I said, you do know if they score here, he's going to go for two. Because the odds favor – that's his best chance to win the game. If this game goes to overtime, they're not going to win. So there was no surprise at all. So I loved the call. I didn't love the play. (laughs) To run run that uh, option into the boundary where the boundary serves as yet another defender, that was not – I would have liked to see more of a run-pass option that gave the quarterback a chance to either run it in or throw it in. Uh, I just didn't like the call. I like I like the idea. I just didn't like the play. Yeah, and that's what I said, um, Tony. I said you took away half of the field, um, and that never works. It, it, very seldom does it work against a very athletic and fast defense um, like yes. Clemson. But the call, I mean, the the, the – the decision to go for it, I mean, who wouldn't? You got the number one team in the country. You got them on the brinks. You score and you hold them. Then everybody thinks you're a hero. That program's light, light years ahead of what people thought in, in, in North Carolina. So um, it would have been great. Didn't happen. Clemson remains number one, we think, um, or Alabama might you know, jump them. But looking at the SEC, and we just had this discussion, there are around four teams, maybe five, when you – talking Alabama, Auburn, um, LSU, Florida, and Georgia. You can throw Missouri in there, but they have one loss. Who do you Taking out Alabama, who do you think is the next best team in the SEC? I think Georgia is the most complete team I have seen when it comes to offense, defense, quarterback play, offensive line, running back. Uh, their receivers are young, but they're very, very talented in a defense that's getting better and better and better. So I definitely would have Alabama at the top of that list. Uh, LSU, I think, is is an interesting team, and I can't wait to watch them play Florida here uh, in a couple of weeks. But right now, I would say Alabama and Georgia and LSU slash Auburn would be on the same line, and then you put Florida below that. We, I still got a bunch of questions about Florida, and we're going to get some of those answered on Saturday. I think that's pretty fair, and I'm not ready to put Auburn into the same tier as that top six. Uh, you know, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, I think have sort of separated themselves from the rest of college football, but I'm not ready to put Auburn there yet, largely because they don't have the, the super quarterback yet. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you agree? I mean, obviously Bo Nix is going to have plenty of chances to prove it. They've got a ridiculous schedule the rest of the way. Um, they might have the best resume in college football, but are you putting Auburn into the same conversation as Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia and Bama, or do you still need to see more from the quarterback? No, no, no. Got to, got to see more. Got to see more. Got to see them go against an elite defense, uh, which they will. Certainly, the defensive front 
Uh, I mean, consider this. Todd Grantham is the defensive coordinator at Florida. He is known to get off the bus blitzing. All right, He's going to throw that freshman quarterback. He's going to throw all kinds of exotic blitzes he has never seen and try to confuse him. So they – uh, Auburn's still got a ways to go, but they, they, Auburn is a good team because they, they're great on defense and their young quarterback is getting better, but they're not ready to be on the same line with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. Tony Barnhart joining us here on Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Tony, from an Alabama perspective, it looks like the defense is a little bit vulnerable right now. They're giving up some points. Also on offense right now, they have trouble running the football. Uh, I would say through four or five weeks, probably one of the worst rushing attacks I've seen by Bama standards under Nick Saban. Are these legit concerns as the schedule gets tougher the next two months? I think the I think the running issue will take care of itself. The, as the offensive line continues to grow, good, I mean, great running backs in Najee Harris and Brian Robinson. I think that's going to take care of itself. The thing we all we're all going to keep our eyes on is the defense. Two hundred seventy nine yards rushing given up against Ole Miss. But this, you know, you also got to remember this is a factor of the way that Alabama plays: fast, a lot of possessions, more time on the field. This Alabama defense is not as dominant in years past. The question is, will it matter when you're scoring fifty points a game? Will it matter? And that's what we're going to learn in October and November. Now, um, the Aggies got a, a big win this past weekend. It was tough, but they were able to pull it out. Um, are you are you surprised at how how this team is playing? This is a team that you figure under um, uh, under Fisher the second year they would be much better. They've dropped one against Clemson, uh, one against Auburn, um, a tough one um, against Auburn. Then they just played this tough one against Arkansas. Are you surprised that they are not playing better in particular, the quarterback? They're, they're not ready yet. They're not, they, they're not, they don't have that kind of skill. I tell you, they really miss Tavion Williams, the the running back who led the sec in rushing last year. They don't run the ball nearly as well, which puts more pressure on Kellen Mond to do more things. And I think it's I think it's starting to show because the teams are coming after Mont. So uh, I'm not totally surprised, but the, the fact of the matter is, uh, in the building process, Texas A&M simply isn't there yet. Your entire net worth is on the line, and you've got to win a football game right now. Who who are you taking? Who who, who you who do you want on your sideline? Oh, the guys, coach? No, no, like the, as a team. Oh, as a team, who's, who's essentially who's the best team in America? But I like to ask it in a little different way than just that. It's it's you got to win a game right now. It's almost a trust factor, right? Who do you trust right now in a playoff national title situation? From what you've seen to win that game, who are you putting your whole net worth on? Well, I'm putting my net worth on Alabama because they have come up with uh, a style that, that no listen. As collectively, this group of four Alabama receivers is one of the best groups to ever play college football. Certainly one of the best groups ever in the SEC. You have a generational quarterback who throws it unlike anybody we've seen who's completing 75% of his passes. While I know Alabama has some flaws, I also know that they've played in a whole bunch of championship games and know how to win. So if I had to pick one team for one game, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Saban guy. He seems to do pretty well year in and year out. 
Tony, final one for you. A year ago, Tennessee went on the road to Georgia, and in the third quarter, midway through that game of the third quarter last year, they were kind of hanging around down 14, 17 points, somewhere in that range. This year, it feels like Tennessee is maybe a step be- below what they were last year, which is kind of embarrassing. They're coming off the bye this week. They're going to be a 24-point home underdog. Do you give them any chance against this Georgia team to maybe keep it somewhat compelling going into halftime? Not really. Uh, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> just, really. just, right, just figured I'd ask. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, Tennessee guys. Every, every time somebody asks me, I said Tennessee's just not very good. Uh, they don't have the personnel they need. They don't run the ball when they want to. The quarterback keeps missing open receivers. Uh, they're just, they're just not a very good, uh, very good football team. Now, the Tennessee people have got to be patient, and that's not their strong suit. Well, it's nobody's, nobody's patient. But let's just to be fair, nobody's patient. Uh, but no, this is a, this is a Georgia team that uh, is getting better and better and better. Uh, had a really tough game against Notre Dame two weeks ago. I think that helps you grow as a team. So no, I do not. Uh, I don't expect Tennessee to keep this game close. Tony, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Okay, guys. You got it, Tony Barnhart on Twitter at Mister CFB. Uh-huh. SEC Network. That pretty much sums it up. This yeah, team's no. not pretty good. This team's no. not good at all. No, the balls stink. No, yeah, pretty much so. Next question. They're probably, would you say that they are the behind Memphis? Um, well, well, they're better than Tennessee Chattanooga, okay? Yeah, they're better 45 than Tennessee. 45-0. Right? Yeah, Tennessee Chattanooga. Settle down over there. Hey, but if you want to, if you want to look for a positive, the Titans won this weekend. Mm-hmm. The uh, Vandy won. Yeah. And the Vols didn't lose. Yeah, 2-0, two, 2-0. Two zero, two yeah. They yeah. didn't win either. No, Memphis. Memphis uh, played against the Navy. Yeah. Played, they played a football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won too. They did. I, Memphis, I, I Memphis think, might think, be the best team I, in the state. I, I no, not might. They are. I the think best Memphis team in the is state. the best football team in the state. Yeah, yeah. Good times. College, college football. Yeah. Austin, right. Austin P with a big win over, over the yeah. weekend. By the way, Austin the, P. The Governors. We will get back into the Tennessee Titans on the other side of 24-10 victory over the Falcons. Your biggest takeaway, your reaction, we'll do that on the other side. Morning drive back after this. Henry on formation. And fake to him over the middle. It is caught. That's the rookie, A.J. Brown. He's still going. Brown showing the wheels to the 10 to the 5. And he's in for the touchdown. Mariota, the little hitch going end zone. It is caught. A.J. Brown for the touchdown, and his magnificent start to the day continues. Third and five, with 2.30 left and a half. Mariota's pass, far side, it's caught, it's Davis, and he will stroll in for the touchdown. This one comes to an end. Frustrating day for Matt Ryan and the Falcons as Tennessee comes to Atlanta and puts a hurting on the Falcons. 24 to 10 is the final. And that is, of course, how it sounded yesterday on CBS Sports. Uh, Spiro Ditas, Adam Archuleta with the call as your Titans go into Mercedes-Benz Stadium yesterday and thoroughly pick apart the Atlanta Falcons 24-10. to It was supposed to be a close game, two one and two teams looking to get out of September at 500. One team came to play, the other one not so much. The other team's just bad i'll be i would be unless they turn it around i'd be surprised if their head coach last the season um that's how bad that team is considering the talent but it's not about them it's about the tennessee titans and the way they played the first half uh marcus was almost flawless um and 
and how he orchestrated and moved that offense, Arthur Smith, with the exception of those damn screen plays, please take them out. With the exception of the screen plays, I think he caught a good, he had a good game plan going in um, to the game. Um, Atlanta played heavy on stopping Derrick Henry and they play action and they gave Mariota a little time and he found open guys across the board. Um, So take your hat off to, to Marcus, take your hat off to offensive line, Arthur Smith in the first half. Second half is a totally different story. I don't, I don't, I'm not in agreement with taking your foot off the gas pedal in the NFL because the minute you take your foot off the gas pedal, a team can score a touchdown here and there, and they put themselves right back in the game. I didn't agree with the second half, but I think you can do that in college. Yeah, you can do that. In I college think you can too. do that in yeah. college and just be like, "Oh, our defense is better than exactly." Here. And eventually, but in the NFL, eventually, pros are going to score points. Exactly. So, I mean, first half they played great. Um, there's nothing you can point to in the first half um, that was sort of a negative. I don't know. I don't know if there's any. Um, but the second half, I think a lot of things kind of showed up. But kudos to the Titans going down to Atlanta, taking care of business, and now they get the Buffalo Bills with that stacked defense here at home this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I think it's a complete team effort, and you know Marcus now has the numbers. If you if every all the people that oh give me the touchdowns, give me the no interceptions, give me the numbers. Well, his numbers are better. He's on basically on pace to have statistically the best season of his career statistically. But again, this is another opportunity for us to say stats don't always matter, and they're not the end-all, be-all. They're important. I think the Falcons had more yards yesterday than the Titans did. That, that That's irrelevant, <laughs> right, right? One team was far better than the other. Um, the decision, obviously, to, take, to, to go for it on fourth down on the 10-yard line is still completely mind-boggling. Makes absolutely no sense. But outside of that, it was a near-perfect game. The punting game was great. The defense was great. They pressured the quarterback. They protected the quarterback. The receivers made plays. Derrick Henry ran the football. Marcus was great in the pocket. I mean, literally, you could go down the list of things that you would want to accomplish as an NFL football team on a Sunday, and I think you'd check almost every box. If there were 15 boxes on that list, you'd check every single one except for coaching decisions. At the bottom, you might go, why'd you go for it when you could have put your team up three scores with 12 minutes to go? But outside of that, it was a complete victory, and... To me, the lesson is don't overreact. I, I, we, we, you know, although Coach Pruitt told us we could react today, so I do know that we we can do that. But you know, the sky is falling after a bad game against Jacksonville, and they look like they're Super Bowl contenders the next week against Atlanta. Guess what's going to happen next week, guys? It's going to be a lot tougher. Buffalo's really good on defense. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring, and we're going to come in here Monday with another new opinion and idea of what Marcus is, or what the offense is, or what Vrabel is, and. You just kind of got to let it go, and and I know it's not good radio, but we got to wait and see and find out what happens. Because if they play like they did yesterday, they can beat almost anybody. But isn't this just the typical Tennessee Titans where you can't really figure this team out? They go in and win games they're not supposed to. They lose games they are supposed to win. So here we are, and I think if we we go back to the summer when Taylor Luan got suspended and we looked at the schedule, I think we all would sign up for a 2-2 and start, although I don't think anybody thought – we were going to beat Cleveland and Atlanta, yet lose division games against Jacksonville and Indy, both of those teams playing with their backup quarterbacks. So what have we really learned from the Titans through four games this year? To me, it's just more of the same. This team is still what they were last year, wildly inconsistent and not dependable. Which is most the NFL. Which, yeah, yeah. Which the Titans are the I, microcosm I, of the league. I think the biggest difference is their best players not played yet. I think that's the biggest difference. 
I, I that if that's still true after Lawan has played eight games and they're at week twelve and they're six and six, then yeah, you're hundred percent right. They're the same. They're they're relatively the same. Even if the offense shows improvement and the defense is great, if you finish if you're at six and six, you know whatever. And Lawan's played eight of those games. You haven't really. You've clearly not gone from good to great. But but again, that's eight weeks from now. That's nine weeks from now. It takes us a long time to figure that out. They are two and two without Lawan. I think most people would have taken that. Is it the right two games? Obviously not. But two and two with Nate Davis showing signs of life, giving up zero sacks, and now Lawan coming back. There are reasons to at least at least allow yourself to be more optimistic about the offensive line. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but the hope is is that with Nate Davis playing more, he played sixty two percent of the snaps yesterday. Didn't play the first two drives and then came in and alternated the rest of the way. If Nate Davis can do something to improve the right guard situation, which it feels like he's already done in his first ever NFL game, and Lawan comes in and fixes the left tackle position, you can start to see the makings of some optimism for the offensive line. But it still has to happen. We still have to go out and we have, they have to go out and execute, and we've got to see it. Yeah, um, it's just this team has it. Um, you know, when will they? When will that mantra that they have posted everywhere? Um, start to uh, materialize, start to, when will we start to see it? The whole good to great. Uh, Because what we've seen is a team that is good. Again, it's kind of like the quarterback. You're good amongst a bunch of other good teams. What are you doing to separate yourself from the others? Um, And at this point in time, the Tennessee Titans have done nothing uh, to separate themselves from the other good teams. And, um, I know that's what they want to do. They want to do something that's going to separate them from the other, you know, 15, 20 good teams in the NFL. Um, and it starts with consistently beating teams, consistently playing well, especially um, against defenses that, that, that are tops in the NFL. Um, they didn't play well against Jacksonville, a really good defense. They didn't play well. Um, um, we, we're going to see if they play well against um, Buffalo, top defense. This is where you go from good to great. When you when the team comes in and you know they're good and you still beat them. Okay, you caught Cleveland early on. That was the best time to catch Cleveland. Um, you beat an Atlanta team that's not good. And then two teams – that we thought you were going to beat, you should have beat, based, based on situations you didn't. So that's not, to me, that's not a team that is going from good to great. That's a team that's going from good and staying good. I will say there's, that's, you bring up a great point about did they learn something from how they handled the Colts game? And I, I tweeted this out yesterday. As the third quarter was coming to an end, they were driving the football with Derrick Henry to put the game away. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. They were driving with Derrick Henry to put the game away against the Colts as the third quarter ended. Then they took Derrick Henry out of the game. They put Deion Lewis in. Oh, they kept him in. This <laughs> screwed up a couple times. Took a sack. All of a sudden, they missed a field goal, and all of a sudden, they lost the game. It, 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 clearly, they they learned from that, and that is a positive. That's a step in progress. Where you're running the, now again, you know, up by three or four versus up by fourteen, very different. I understand that, but the concept in the situation was the same. You had a chance to step on someone's throat by by pounding Derrick Henry right down the middle of the field at the end of the third quarter, as the third quarter ended with a lead. 
and they kept with it. They stuck with it. Vrabel screwed it up by not kicking the field goal. But the, the point is they, the, the, they didn't take him out, put Deion Lewis in, and start throwing it, right? They, they stuck with the game plan. They got all the way down to the 10-yard line. And, again, the, the field goal decision makes no sense. But, but the point is still the same. You, you had a team under your – like you had their neck under your boot, and you, you could have won the game against the Colts. You probably outthought yourself a little bit in that one. You didn't this time, even though, again, the field goal. I'll just keep harping on that one. I don't understand. 17 points is the game over. But No, it was a total, it's a total brain fart. But Arthur Smith kept Derrick Henry in the game. They kept running the football at the end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter. They played it simple in the fourth quarter. They let their defense do the work. And, you know, I, I thought that's – you could if you want to point to progress, you could point to that situation and say, hey, they did a better job of handling that situation this week than they did against the Colts. All right, Titans fans, we'll open up the phones again for you. 615-737-1025. Your reaction, your biggest takeaway from the game yesterday. And what have you learned about this team through the quarter point of the season? 615-737-1025. The number, it's Morning Drive, live here on a Monday on ESPN 1025 The Game. 832, welcome back in. Monday edition of Morning Drive here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. Uh, stick to sports coming your way in just about 13 minutes. Your Titans calls welcomed 737-1025. So coming up now, and we'll obviously break this game down as we get further along in the week, but the Buffalo Bills, uh, they lost Josh Allen yesterday in the fourth quarter as he got dinged up. It looked like a probably some sort of head injury. They sent him in for concussion testing, all that stuff. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if that would have been Tom Brady? Oh, I don't, you know, Dude, I, I they would have thrown a guy out yeah. of the game. I don't understand the NFL um, where because I've seen hits on some guys and they throw the flag and I see hits on others and they haven't. Um, I read something it was sort of like the other day about Cam Newton, how much of a beating he's taken and hadn't gotten really any flags um, for some of the hits he's taken as a quarterback. Uh, where they look at him and they keep the flag in their pocket, but then they look at other quarterbacks and you 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 breathe on them wrong, and they're throwing a flag. I I can recall was the, it like two years ago when Cam Atlanta, was just complaining all the yeah, time? Yeah, well he was getting beat up, right? And you look at the Super Bowl last year, and Tom Brady didn't get hit. He got hit in the shoulder pads. Well, the AFC Championship. Yeah, game. he got when hit the, the shoulder pads. When the Chiefs, like, was it Chris exactly. Jones who like grazed he him, him in the face? Shoulder, no, he 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 went chopped down and he hit him in the shoulder pad and they threw the flag. Oh, and it's no well, different. But, it's no different in the NBA. The star yeah, player yeah. gets the benefit of the doubt. I mean, yeah, and, I get it. And but, Brady is on Jordan's level. Let's let's be fair, he's right? The goat. Like if 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 Jordan got quote unquote got mm-hmm. calls right the way James Harden is now getting calls because mm-hmm. let's be clear, James Harden he jumps into somebody and gets a call and it's completely his fault that the. That the contact was made right, like a mm-hmm. defender has a right to his space. Uh, great players get calls, you know. Yeah, I, but I don't Josh know what Allen, he, that should have been it should have been a penalty at least. Should have been an ejection. Now, I'm not saying that you know whatever they they might end up finding the guy uh, McCourty. I think that's who hit him. They end up might end up finding McCourty, uh, but to not throw a penalty um, at that particular time with the penalties I've seen being called this year on just stuff that shouldn't be called was just downright wrong. Now, he did go in the tent, and they checked him out. He ended up running off and into the locker room. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe he plays this week. Uh, if well, he but do, do we want him to play? Because 
Look at this trend so far for the Titans this year. They've defeated Baker Mayfield. They've defeated Matt Ryan. They've held both of them in check. I like where you're going with this. They've lost to Gardner Minshew and Jacoby Brissett. I mean, are they going to lose to Matt Barkley on Sunday? Uh, I don't know. So they've beaten two MVP-ish style guys, right? Matt Ryan's been to a Super Bowl and I think won an MVP, right? Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield set the rookie record for passing touchdowns and is like the the thing in sports this summer. Torch those guys, no problem. It's the other guy. It's the backup quarterbacks that are giving you problems. Yeah. Mentu mania. And let's be also, like again, look at the NFL right now. And I tweeted this out this morning. Like Nick Foles, broken collarbone, out for the year. Or at least a long period of time, right? Big Ben, arm surgery, out for the year. Drew Brees has the thumb injury. He's out for probably six to six or eight weeks. Sam Darnold hasn't played since week one. Cam Newton is Cam Newton is giving us what looks like the actor screen guild video where he's like he looks like he's reviewing f- french films you know like mm, i'm not playing smoking a cigar like like it could be one week two weeks six weeks 11 weeks i don't know you guys saw the video right yes. that's like the most bizarre thing i've ever seen wearing a scarf um he's out but he's out for who knows how long mitchell trubisky now injured he looks like he could be out somebody speculating on twitter that it was a torn labrum uh, which it could be very, very serious for them. Andrew Luck has retired. Josh Allen is now maybe out. Eli Keenum and Fitzpatrick have both been benched. That is 11 starting quarterbacks in week one that are now no longer starting in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Marcus is healthy. Yep. And, and oh, by the way, <laughs> None of this makes sense. Marcus right now, 933 yards, seven touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating of 106.2. For whatever it's worth, when your quarterback rating is 106, you're in MVP consideration at the end of the year. Now, I know it's only a quarter of the season, and I know I said you'll never go from good to great with number eight, but right now, Marcus is playing really sound football. He's getting his left tackle back. The schedule maybe starts to ease up a little bit. I I don't know. Maybe does Marcus have a rallying point here? So if you look at his game logs, um, let's go back to the bye week of last year which is when they started sort of – they kind of regained some some ground and they won a bunch of games down the stretch. It was before the Dallas game on Monday night. It was the bye week uh, after losing to the, the Chargers in in, um, in London. Since that moment, they are 8-4. and four. He's 8-4 and four as a starter, 67% of his passes, a quarterback rating of 105, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, 280 yards rushing and another touchdown – 8.1 yards per attempt. For the last 12 games, if you extrapolate that out over a 16-game season, add four games to it, he it's arguably the best stretch of football he's played in his career over a 16-game window. And, and, and in real life, it's just a 12-game window. It, I, I, that is a 10-6 and six record with on pace for four interceptions in a season. That's what those numbers tell you. If 10-6 if, 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 if and six with four turnovers – and the numbers aren't gaudy. You know, you're on pace for 20, 22 touchdowns a year. That's not gaudy. There's no way. But if you're only going to turn the ball over four or five times and you're going to win 10 out of 16 games, I, I just don't – I think you sign up for that because with a great defense, you can win, you can win a lot of games that way. So I, he's still got to prove it. He's still got to do all the same things. I think he is what he is. Um, I'm not going to get too high when he plays great. I'm not going to get too low when he plays terribly. It's just the way football But you know goes. what? The, the numbers are going to continue to look really good mm-hmm. if guys like Corey Davis and A.J. Brown – are taking 12-yard square-ins and turning them into 50-yard completions. Well, yeah, that helps. Um, you know, but they got to it a lot of this depends on uh Arthur Smith staying 
within the framework of the offense, staying within the talent um, that they have on that offense. I think everything starts and begins with Derrick Henry. And if you just stay there, then like year two, Marcus' numbers will be good. Uh, if you try to say, well, Marcus has – he's he's we see what he's done the first five or six games. Oh, he can do it now. The minute you make that mistake, you're going to start going backwards. Um, so they got to continue to do what they've been doing. Hopefully it's going to take Taylor DeWine maybe a game or two to get back going. Um, but if they continue to run the football, then Marcus will be, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, he will be, you know, right where he has been, you know, on average his career, right, right in the middle. And he's not going to make any mistakes, but it's going to be left up to your defense in a run game to consistently keep you in games and win you games. So right now, from an offensive standpoint, what they're doing with Marcus is perfect. Um, they need to continue doing that. With Taylor coming back, it will help. Um, but they need to continue to think run first, play that ugly type of football, let the defense do what they do, and try to win close games. Especially against Buffalo. Exactly. No question Absolutely. about that. Again, if you take his numbers for just these four games, forget how how well he played down the stretch last year, just these four games and extrapolate it out, which is a stupid game. I, mm-hmm. I will acknowledge on the front end of this that the extrapolation game is not a thing, right? But if you do it, right now he's on pace for a career high in yards, touchdowns, a career low in interceptions, uh, a career high in yards per attempt, a career high in passer rating, he's a career high in rushing yards. Like almost every single major category of statistical analysis that you would give to Marcus Mariota as a quarterback, he's on pace to be better than anything he's ever done in ev- almost every category other than completion percentage. And, and you know, that doesn't mean anything in week four. What, what matters is if you play all 16 games and you can continue to do it and you can win one more game, win one more game than you did the last couple of years, and you probably go – you probably make the playoffs at 10-6. and six. You're going to have to play really good football down the stretch. But you see flashes of it against Cleveland. You see flashes of it against Atlanta, and you go – just give me that a little bit more often. 615-737-1025. The number you can always tweet us, follow us at 1025 underscore MD. And really, when you look at this team, I think this is the way you draw it up. I mean, if you're going to have Marcus with multiple touchdowns to no turnovers, your running back Derrick Henry goes for 100 yards, and both of your highly invested receivers, fifth overall and second round pick A.J. Brown, go for 90-plus yards each week. Good luck stopping this offense because you got there's that balance we've been seeking. Yeah, but that's the big if. Uh, I, I know because, you're not going to get it every week. Yeah, but. you're not going to get it every week um, because you know it's either been um, AJ Brown or frankly nobody in the passing game. But now they've managed to put or Delaney Walker. Let's say that. And I'm, but I was just talking from a receiver standpoint. Now they were able to uh, put you know, able to get both of them um, going in one game in the first half. Um, If you're going to, if you're going to play one-on-one and and, in off coverage and letting these guys, you know, run their routes, then they're going to eat you alive. They're just, they are good pass catchers and they, they do a good job after the catch because it's so tough to bring them both down. Um, You know, we, I need to see more of that moving forward now. I need to see not just 
you know, one game from Corey Davis and then we don't see him for another three games and then another game or one game from A.J. Brown and then we don't hear about him, you know, for another three or four games. Then he then he breaks out with another, you know, two touchdown game, 100 yards. It needs if I can get for both of them, both of them consistently 60 yards, just give me 60 yards consistently, you know, give me some first downs in there. Impact the game in a positive way consistently moving forward. Then I will believe that the Titans in this receiving core has gotten to a point where yeah. they are one of the better receiving cores in the NFL. I can't continue to see this up and down, up and down. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Just interesting to note here, the, the, t- the guys that lead this team in targets right now, Delaney Walker, 23, played a half a game last year. Corey Davis is second with 18. A.J. Brown is third with 17, zero games last year for the Titans. Adam Humphreys is fourth with 15, zero games last year for the Titans. So we can say what we want about the offense last year, but three of the top four targets for Marcus as of now through four games were not on the team last year. Arthur Smith calling those plays. It, again, is it significantly upgraded? Not yet, but you can't argue that the, the new faces have are playing major roles. Do they need to be bigger, more consistent? Absolutely. But they are the feature parts of the passing game, is Walker, Brown, Humphreys, Davis. And that, that three of those guys didn't play on the team last year. Coming up next, we will stick to sports here on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 Game. I don't know if there was 24 karat magic in the air at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but the, the Titans put up 24 points, and that was good enough for a victory. I would love to hear from fans during this week that went down to the game and experience what a real football stadium is supposed to feel like, and then tell us what they want different from their stadium here in Nashville. Yeah, but you know what, I'd though? I'd like to know. You, you talk about that stadium, and it's great for the Atlanta United. They sell it out. SEC Championship game sold out. For a Falcons home game yesterday for two one-and-two teams in that gorgeous uh, palatial palace, a lot of empty seats. Yeah, I mean, that's Atlanta mm-hmm. sports, so I don't – that's – Sure. I mean, that, that's to be expected. I mean, right. I, would I love to have that building here that, in Nashville? That's, that's, what I'm, that's, all, that's right. all I'm asking about is fans that went down there, because there were some mm-hmm. pretty good Titans fans there at the end of that game. For Titans fans that went down there, I, I want to hear from you throughout the week on to what you experienced. Mm-hmm. What did you like about it? Because I've been there, and it's spectacular and real mm-hmm. and huge. And I'd like to see what what aspects of that can be brought to Nissan State. All of it. <laughs> the whole thing. That's going to cost some money. Bread, this rain the whole Yeah, thing. easy for you to say non-Davidson County taxpayer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Hollywood, let's stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, you're just going to crumple it up and throw in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. All right, D-Mace, stick to sports is brought to you by... The good folks at Decorated Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment, which is free at, I'm about to say it, decorateddead.com. Number one. Your anticipation was killing me. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. <laughs> like, right. you got to say? Yo. <laughs> so here's a game changer for your traveling schedule. Now, a Japanese airline has a new feature in their booking process that indicates where young children are seated at on the flights. When passengers traveling with a child who is less than two years old in select seats, there will be a child icon on the seats. So basically, you can kind of work around where the child icons are if you don't want to be next to kids that are two years old. Crying throughout a whole flight. So, hey, 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 um, I'm, Settle down. As a, I don't want to sit next to one 
even though, you know, sometimes it's not bad because some kids are funny and you can just kind of sit there and. Yeah, but you know what, though? You know, Sitting next to some adults isn't a bargain exactly. either. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's not, what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. Some guy takes off his shoes while he's showered. I'd yeah. rather sit next to a crying baby. I would baby. rather sit in front of a baby than behind a crying baby. I would rather sit in front of them. Like, well, I would rather sit behind them and then in front of them. Okay, so you don't, don't, so don't want the seats. Somebody's you don't want so you don't want to play trail coverage to exactly. a, to a kid. You want to play over the top zone coverage. You have a right. flight from here to London. Uh-huh. You can be next to a two year old screaming, or the person in front of you can be six seven and have their chair reclining back into your lap. Which one do you go? I, I take the reclining chair. I'm taking the recline because it's only going to come back so far. And then I'm going to recline too. Yeah, so I, I'm going to recline up. too. And I got an aisle seat, so I'm going to put my leg in the aisle. So I'm I'm good with that. So no, 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 no. Crying, crying next to a crying two year old or next to Stillman for eight hours. Oh, two year old. Yeah, no, I can just put my okay. headphones on. Well, actually, Even aren't they the, the same thing? Oh. Yeah, pretty much so. Even if Lay the baby's up. screaming, <laughs> I can put my headphones in. Yeah. And so I, don't my, have to I was hear it. I was proud and also pleasantly surprised with how my kids handled the flight to New York over the over the summer. Um, I will say this though about parent: there's only two different types of flyers, and Marquise clearly falls into one category. There are only two types of flyers: people that have never had children and people that have children. Oh, I didn't say it was a problem. Right. I'd much rather sit next to a kid than sit next to a big guy who breathes heavily and then op- has like struggles opening peanuts. Yeah, like, sure, I don't want to sit easy. next to a stinky person. That's why yeah, I, I, I don't want to sit next. Hundred percent agree. I'm just saying there there's a there is a change that happens. Like I used to get on planes and be like, oh, where are the kids? I'm going to avoid them. Mm-hmm. And it, you're just like, oh, God, that's the one. And then there's the it, once you become a parent, you get on a plane and you see a kid a parent with a kid and you just go, oh, bless their heart. Like you, your, your total perspective changes when you have kids about how you fly. I, I feel sympathy now for parents rather than like like resentment. Another another <laughs> another thing I do not want to sit nowhere near because I saw this the last few times we were flying, I believe. Is I know you can bring dogs on the plane, but the ones that are not in a, uh, in their little carrier, I don't want to sit nowhere near dogs that interesting that are not in their carrier. Don't they have to be? No, I've I've really? seen yeah, I've seen two dogs get on the plane. I've never been on a flight a with carrier. a dog. I don't. Yeah, th- I, the last two times I've flown, it's been that way. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how do you do that? Because what if someone's allergic? Are they on a leash? Yeah, they're on a lease. And I think they're like um They have to be a service ser- dog. Yeah, service dog. And they have yeah. to be, now that's different. Service dog you kinda have to just let exactly. it, let it Absolutely. be. Absolutely. I, I have been on a plane with the, the dog in like the little carrier. Yeah, but, I've done that before. But yeah. I've never seen the dog like out of the carrier. Yeah, and, the like, last in the lab. two flights I've been on. Wow. Yeah, it's been a, a dog. That's where an epidemic. But what do you do when someone's allergic if someone's allergic to a dog? Well the carrier's not gonna keep the But I'm the just saying like yeah, I'm just hair. saying like what would what do they do? Do you then have to change your flight? No, I move them to the back. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, dog, so. the dog person sits in the back and you get to sit in the front? I don't yeah, know. I guess so. Number two. All right, fellas, I got a stick to sports update. Now, it's a big weekend in fights. Errol Spence. Keith or, or Errol Spence and Sean Porter had a big fight, that but there was, was also that was another. A a yeah, that was a great fight, but also there was another fight that was supposed to happen this weekend. Ah, Bagel Boss versus Lenny Dykstra. Now, but I got an update for you. So, Lenny Dykstra pulled out two week or two days before the fight. So that's soft. They replaced. Is it, it was Screech that replaced them. The what? Yeah. The Muhammad Ali of celebrity wait, wait. boxing screech replaced we, Lenny Dykstra. We took a <laughs> uh, an athlete nicknamed Nails who might have lost a few marbles 
who's a professional athlete, out of the ring and well, put he, in Screech? I mean, Screech is a legend. In you, mean, you mean Screech he's Dustin le- Diamond? He's a yeah, legend, but he's not an athlete. Like, he's not a... Hey, man. Is he so, a fighter? Like, so what, what happened? Did he fight Bagel Boss? No, because Bagel Boss pulled out of the fight. Uh, One Screech got in so the game. So we got because, multiple guys pulling out. Yes. Don't. Okay. Stop, stop. All right. Stop. I'm just trying to figure out who actually yeah. fought. No, so it was, it was basically Screech versus a former wrestler by the name of oh Matt God. Wolf, which I've never heard of this guy a day in my life. Bagel Boss, now he said that he he, booked, he got out of the fight because Screech is younger, faster, stronger. So <laughs> He's afraid <laughs> of Screech? <laughs> what? So I guess he was nervous that he felt like it was an unfair fight to fight Screech from Saved by the Bell, so he left. And then he took his money and ran. I will say that Bagel Boss has a moment in time to capitalize he's done a pretty good job of capitalizing on his 15 minutes of fame but if you're him you got to keep it going somehow yeah. and which, this is how i keep it going and maybe this is how you keep it going no, so he did he, he went on social media did a video about it and said ha ha took your money and i'm not gonna fight you guys wanted to see me get pummeled and it's not gonna happen i outsmarted everybody i still think he needs to fight though because that's like you're not my dad you're not my father you're not god <laughs> I still think you're, you're, not, you're not God or my father or my boss. Or my boss. That's what it is. I, I think there needs to be – I still think there needs to be a fight. Like I still – Would you I fight Bagel Boss? Would I you fight Screech? Let's spell that down. I would drop him in two seconds. <laughs> Philly Nick would come out. I'd knock that New Yorker right out. I don't know, dude. Bagel Boss looks pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I would, man. I would, his hands look pretty quick in those training videos. <laughs> Whatever. Trust me. Whatever. I am not pulling out. <laughs> I'm straight up boxing him. I would so fight, would you fight I'd Screech, fight then? I'd fight yes. Screech in a heartbeat, yeah. Exactly. All right, I'll be careful, man. Don't sleep on the boy Screech now. What, why? Why? Does he have a background in MMA or something we don't know about? Yeah, I'm telling you. He's, been, did, he's been doing this celebrity boxing did he, thing did, did for Did he start lifting time. weights with A.C. Slater? Does he know that I'm undefeated world champion of the world as, as an amateur boxer, that I'm 1-0, <laughs> and, and, I, and I resigned and retired <laughs> after being 1-0? Does he well, know that? Who's your opponent? Some guy that worked on Music Row. I don't know. <laughs> I was undefeated. I, listen, I won, undefeated, all, I won all three rounds unanimously. Unanimous decision. World champion. I have a belt to prove it. Want to know? Dude, you're like the Rocky Marciano yeah. of the show. I'm just saying. You retired undefeated. I'm yeah. just saying. What was Marciano? 49 now? Or Floyd Mayweather of the show. Screech. Yeah, there you go. I'm the Screech of the show. <laughs> That's really what I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got, too. All right, we're done. Stick to sports in the books. Brought to you by Decorating Dan Interiors. Predators will begin their season Thursday night at home against the Minnesota Wild. So we will start bringing all the boys back in the fold this week. Terry Crisp on Friday, Hal Gill on Thursday, Chris Mason on Tuesday. Up next, the man you're going to hear at 10 o'clock, Darren McFarland. We'll talk a little pucks and sticks next with DMAC.